0: What to do, where to eat, and people you should know. This is National Styles, the podcast.
1: Hey, everybody! Welcome to National Styles, the podcast. I am your solo host today. Which don't tell Brian, but I love to say, uh, I'm Alison Abby Hudak. I am the magazine's editor. Brian is off saving the world in some way or another, so I am running the show today. And speaking of the show, I could not do it without the support of our amazing sponsors. First of all, we have to thank Dr. Dan Hatef, who is plastic surgeon to the stars. Someday I will go see him and have him make me look like a star since I can't quite sound like one. Um, But we are grateful to him. He did the podcast a few weeks ago. And if you haven't checked it out, listen, because he talks about how what he does isn't just about vanity and and some of the people that he's helped. And it's a really great story. Uh, We also have to thank CMT who has been a friend and sponsor and partner for years. We are grateful to CMT for everything they do for us, but also everything they do for the country music community at large. So today I'm very excited. It is January, which means it is our Music in the City issue. And this issue was so much fun to put together because, I mean, I say this every year, but there's so much great talent and in this feature, we do this piece that's on up-and-coming stars, and I hate saying that because it's people who have amazing careers already, and today's guest is a perfect example of that because you know his music, you know his name. To call him up-and-coming feels a little silly at this point, but that's what we're doing because we wanted him in the magazine. So ladies and gentlemen, welcome Brie <laughs> to the show. Thank you for joining us.
0: What's up, what's up, what's up? It's good to be here.
1: I'm so excited to have you. I have to tell you that I so I knew the song My Truck back when it came out. But the first like really like conversation that I had about you was, gosh, it must have been August 2020. I interviewed Keith Urban for our cover and that man was your biggest fan He talked (laughs) easily for 10 minutes about how great you were, about working with you, about, I mean, he just was like, it was like listening to a dad talk about his son. Like, he was just telling me how big you're going to be and how great you are and about writing with you. And so I was like, it's got to be amazing to know, (laughs) like, early in your career, you have Keith Urban telling everyone how great you (laughs) are.
0: Yeah, I mean Keith is uh, Keith is, is such a special dude. I mean, just having gotten a chance to to work with him so early in my career and you know, make some some songs that we were able to actually put out. You know, we've got four songs out together too on his uh Speed of Now album, one that I'm featured on as well. And then uh, you know, I was able to feature him on my single, Throw It Back and then uh, you know, he put out we put out a song that we wrote for Nine Perfect Strangers uh, called Crimson Blue, and you know, just just getting a chance to to play with him at at the Opry, and you know, he pulled up at my show uh, at the High Watt here in Nashville, and and you know, he's just such a such a great friend and, and mentor. Uh, I'm a big fan of his too, musically, but getting a chance to have a real relationship with him outside the music i'm a big fan of his as a person and and the way that he carries himself and what he stands for
1: yeah he's such a great ambassador of country music and of nashville i mean he just i think he's just such a great guy and and people really take what he says seriously so you know for him for him to put a stamp on approval early and then for you i mean it's amazing for you to have that that person as a friend it's always crazy when you go from being someone's fan to being a friend and collaborator. That's a whole new, new side of a
0: relationship. <laughs> yeah. I've had a, I've had a few situations like that over the past couple of years and um, you know, that's, that's where I get a lot of my confidence and inspiration and motivation to keep doing this is, you know, there are a lot of people that kind of helped get me into this that didn't even know, you know, just from, from their music uh, you know, that as, getting to know them in real life, you know, whether it's Keith or Sam Hunt or Nellie or, uh, you know, even Dirk Bentley to to have their stamps of approval and, and for them to support what I'm doing and to believe that what I'm doing is going to work. It makes it a lot easier for me to believe it myself.
1: I mean, yeah, there, that's some, that's some serious validation. I mean, (laughs) coming from, from that crew. And I want to like, you know, taking it back a little bit talk to me about growing up i know you i know you were a gospel music guy growing up i know that was like the big thing that you listened to but talk a little bit just about like music for you when you were growing up and what it meant and how you kind of found it
0: for yourself yeah uh you know so my family is extremely musical if you follow me on instagram you've probably seen me post uh videos of of me and them or just them singing uh-huh. uh, my parents actually met in a gospel choir at howard uh you know back in the early nineties or eighties I guess and so music has always been such a a big part of how they communicate it's part of their love language and uh growing up we always had we always had just like family sing alongs we took a lot of road trips and uh honestly i was like the the slow one when it came to learning (laughs) harmonies and being able to jump in on on the family things so uh i would say i really discovered music for myself uh when i was probably about 13 or 14 and i kind of realized like okay maybe i'm just not supposed to be in a group you know (laughs) maybe i'm just a solo (laughs) artist uh so you know i went to, I went away to a boarding school in New Jersey, uh where I'm from, but I kind of had a chance to reinvent myself and um just kind of really went all in on the artist thing. I came in, and people were like, "Okay, well, you know, what do you like to do?" And I just started telling everyone freshman year of high school that I was an artist, despite not having any music or anything. It didn't matter i just <laughs> I just felt like that's what I wanted it. to be. Yeah, I manifested it, honestly, Uh, and so I was really inspired by, like, Justin Bieber at the time had had just started popping off on YouTube, and I was one of his earliest subscribers, like, I was really, really, really early, Um, and I watched that whole journey, and so I started making YouTube videos myself, It never quite popped (laughs) off in the way that his did, but, um, you know, it gave me a, a, a place to be creative and do remixes of songs and kind of really get my first taste of of writing songs and and putting it online for people to hear, Um, and so I did that throughout high school and and a little bit into college, and then started shifting my my focus more to just writing songs and trying to get cuts.
1: That's amazing. I mean, it's, and especially, you know, being from New Jersey and making it in Nashville, like, that's some, that's some big stuff right there. (laughs)
0: yeah there aren't really there aren't really a lot of people from that part of the country that are winning in country music right now i'd say jimmy allen being from delaware about 45 minutes south of me uh is one of the names that comes to mind but it's it's a really short list
1: yeah it's that's what i always think is fascinating about country music because People can find it anywhere. You know, it, it's so synonymous with the South, and you know, obviously, it is a, a Southern thing, um, and biggest in the South. But, I mean, you must see it even on the road that there are country fans everywhere. People find it.
0: Oh, for sure. I mean, I'm playing a festival this summer in uh, in New Jersey uh, that you know Morgan Wallen I think is is headlining and and they have a bunch of big names on the billing and I know it's going to be packed. Yeah. It's a bunch of people from my part, my neck of the woods. So there are country music fans everywhere. I played a show with Derek's up in Canandaigua, New York uh, this past summer and they packed that amphitheater out. It was such a party and and you don't really think about the mid Atlantic and you know, New England regions as being big country music supporters. But Thomas Rhett has been on the record as saying like his biggest shows oftentimes they're like in western mass so i mean we're out here we just you know people just don't think about it that way right
1: it's amazing yeah i yeah i mean i i some of my i'm from florida but that means that technically me and my friends are all from up north because your parents moved from ohio or michigan or new jersey to florida and then you're born right Uh, and so all of my friends have since moved back north, and only then did they discover country music. My best friend lives in Jersey, and she's always like, can you get me tickets to so-and-so's show? I'm like, first of all, I can't get you tickets to anything. But second of all, I love that you're listening <laughs> to country.
0: Like- <laughs> I'll put it this way. If your friend wants tickets to my show, I got you.
1: Be careful what you wish for, because she will ask, and she's a very loud yeller. So-
0: <laughs> <laughs> I got you. <laughs>
1: um, so talk to me a little bit about just kind of like, I mean, first of all, talk to me about the the impact that my truck had on your career because I mean, talk about <laughs> breaking out with like a heck of a hit.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of a testament to uh, the era that we're in now with music, where even without having a label or having done all the shows along Broadway and playing 10 years before you can have a, a song that people know, you know, all those things that are traditionally true of Nashville and country music because of TikTok and, and the way that people are consuming music. I was kind of able to skip some of those steps. Now, I, obviously I want to make it clear that I've put in work, you know, mm-hmm. on the front end and, and was working for 10 years, but I was doing it more as a writer than as an artist, so I think a lot of those early struggling artist days, uh, I was able to bypass a lot of that, uh, you know, with with a song like "My Truck" to you know blow up on social media. And and honestly, it was a, it was a cool thing in terms of timing because when it first happened, I was I was a little concerned because COVID hit kind of right as the song was starting to really pop off early 2020 and I was worried that it was gonna that COVID was gonna kind of start that growth and the possibility of me being able to do all the things that I wanted to do but COVID affected everybody kind of equally and so I just was able to ride that song out for a little bit and put I didn't put out any more music until May of that year and then didn't put anything else out until February of the following year. But because of how big that song was on social media and and how many people were still streaming it, it kind of bought me some time to really think about what I wanted my artist career to look like and what I wanted the music to sound like. And when I started coming back out with new music in 2021, I had moved to Nashville and Uh, I feel like I had grown a lot as a writer and and really developed an understanding for what it was that I wanted to do and how. So I think having that song at that time kind of bought me time because if if we hadn't been dealing with the pandemic, I probably would have just been thrown right out onto the road, playing a bunch of shows and doing all types of things that I might not have ever had the time to really figure out what I wanted from a writing perspective.
1: That's such a That's so true and such a a great way of looking at it. I want to talk to you more about writing especially, but we're going to take a quick break. When we come back,
0: we will have more with Breland. Stay tuned. Hey, everybody. Listen up. I've got exciting news for you for this week. This Wednesday, CMT's got a rocking night of music with the return of Skyville Live. And it's all celebrating the Midnight Rider himself, Greg Allman. Watch as the Ramblin' Man rips through his hits like he's never done before. Joining him are singer-songwriter Chris Stapleton, who I love, blues legends Taj Mahal, and country stars Little Big Town for classic performances that are going to blow the roof off. It's one jam session that'll have your soul shining. Don't miss CMT's Skyville Live, Greg Allman and Friends, Wednesday, 10, 9 Central on CMT. We are back, everybody. We are back with
1: National Lifestyles, the podcast. I'm your host, Allison Abby Hudak. In case you did not listen to the first half of this, and shame on you if you didn't, hit rewind. Um, We are here with Breland, who is featured in our Music in the City issue, and we're so excited. I want to ask you because you talked about, you know, kind of being a writer before even being an artist or being known for being an artist, and you also talked about finding yourself as an artist or sort of defining yourself as an artist in high school were you always a kid who liked writing or did that come later too
0: i always liked writing uh it wasn't always writing songs though. i did write songs as a kid oddly enough the songs that i wrote as a kid were all kind of jingles so i'm wondering if maybe i need to get back jingle space i would write a song and it would literally be 10 seconds i love that (laughs) long (laughs) but (laughs) Uh, I was always writing as a kid i I would write skits I would write jokes i would write uh I would write books I wrote uh, a whole novel that was like two hundred pages long when I was twelve years old so yeah. i i love I love writing I've recently gotten back into writing like op ed pieces big pieces whatever i i I love words I call myself the pinpoint guard uh, and, <laughs> and I feel like that name is kind of multifaceted but you know, it's it's one that I adopted for myself when I moved to Atlanta after college and um, was really focused on writing songs for people and trying to get cuts. And I realized that there were a lot of different styles of music that I could write and that I could write with a lot of different types of people. And that one of my skills is figuring out what everyone's role in the studio is and then kind of facilitating what that how that will go. And I think that led to a lot of really comfortable and fun and successful rights for a lot of the people involved. And so I think the name Tim Point Guard just kind of, you know, dishing the ball out and and, and figuring out, you know, who who could score and win uh, is kind of, kind of where that name came from. I
1: love that. And it's such a, I mean, it's such an important skill to have, especially as you're shaping your own career. I mean, to be able to kind of like, figure all that out, walk into sort of a studio and and see all that or make a plan for yourself. Because a lot of times a new artist doesn't have uh, the resources to have somebody else do that for them. So it's gotta be helpful, you know, in the beginning of your career to be like, be like, okay, I kinda, I know what I'm doing
0: here. Right, you know, like I'll put it this way. Someone who's at the top of the industry in any capacity, uh, you know, they're gonna have access to all different types of hit songs that people have written and pitched to them you know so you'll always kind of have hits at your disposal once you're already popping but when you're coming up you people aren't sending you those songs that they might want to send to a you know Thomas Rhett or Luke Combs or a Morgan Wallen because those people are gonna Going to get pitched those A-list songs from A-list writers, and and the newer artists kind of have to figure it out on their own. But I think being someone that knows how to write a great song and you know works hard in the studio to try to increase the uh, efficiency of that, you know, I haven't really had to rely on any outside cuts. So hey, if anyone has a hit that you think I could do, please send it to me for sure. I'm not (laughs) definitely not going to turn it down, but. Um, you know, I, I definitely think being able to control what it is that I'm putting out and not have to wait or rely on anyone else doing that for me has is, is helped my process a lot.
1: Oh, for sure. And you, you know, we talked about some of the, the people you've gotten to work with. Are there people that you have your eye on that you'd love to collaborate with or even write for, if it, even if you're not on a track?
0: yeah. Yeah, there there are a few that I've worked with that I still haven't yet nailed anything that I'm like, oh, this is the one. Mm-hmm. So there's some song, some artists that I've written with where we haven't had any music come out yet, so I won't include them because okay. we're already working. But I haven't yet worked with Mary Morris. I have not yet worked with Casey Musgraves. Uh, I just think both of them are so dope. Yeah. And I, I got a chance to meet, I actually met them the same night uh, at, at Casey's uh album video you know her movie that she had for star cross i was at the, the premiere of that and got a chance to kick it with both of them afterward and uh i think just what what they stand for socially is really important i align with them on a lot of their perspectives but also i love the way that they're kind of helping make country music more mainstream and bringing in new listeners to the space I think that's something that that my music is also aiming to do Uh, I'd love to write with both of them
1: yeah I love the thing about both of them is they're both they're both just such cool women like even if you took away all their talent they're two people that I would want to hang out with like and I think
0: that's that's
1: such like a a great thing because sometimes you meet Especially successful artists, and they are the right. They're not that way, and so they're two examples of people that like you know. And being on the interview side, you you kind of see people's personalities in a different way. And both of them could not be cooler, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, they're they're both awesome, and and I honestly think that country music has a higher percentage of yeah, like approachable and cool superstars than a lot of other genres i think because country music is so rooted in everyday experience and being able to really tell a story and relate to the common person you can't really allow yourself to get caught up in all of the kind of hollywood diva mentality because the the listeners will feel that you know the listeners are smart they they will resonate with what is authentic and real and if you seem like you know like you you aren't what you portray in the music it, it won't work
1: yeah yeah country fans and when and when you lose a country fan they turn
0: <laughs> like, so. oh when you lose a country fan you may never get right. back i feel like pop and hip-hop fans are kind of wishy-washy, like, yeah. okay, I'm not feeling Kanye right now, but then he'll drop something hot, and you're like, ah, oh, I like Kanye again. Right. You know, and, it's, and that happens all the time over there, but in country it takes a lot longer to earn someone's trust, and um, I think as a result you do end up with a, a much stronger lifelong fan so long as you don't do anything drastic <laughs> to lose them. But I think that's the beauty of of being in this space is that that's why you have so many artists that are in their fifties and sixties and even seventies who are still selling out arenas and stadiums and still getting number one. Uh, It's not necessarily that the fan base of country music is the same age as them. It's just that they have maintained their fan base the whole time. You know, there's obviously a bunch of young people who listen to country and I'm trying to grab them and the older crowd and, and, Bring in new people and then keep them for forever.
1: Yeah, I mean, look at Brooks and Dunn as a, a trending sound on TikTok. I mean,
0: <laughs> yeah. Like- I mean, yeah. People are there's so much music at our disposal, and I think as as many arguments as we can raise against streaming, you know, from a financial perspective and and what it might do for the songwriters, but it also gives everyone the opportunity for a hit because. Yeah. Previously a song would have to be a single to become a hit. And now you could put a song out and it could be a deep album cut, but if there's a trend on TikTok that arises for it, like anything could become a hit. So uh, you know, I, I definitely love seeing older songs that have maybe kind of fallen out of circulation, getting a a new life and a second wind, uh, because of TikTok. And also it's just cool to watch younger people appreciating older music. I think that's important for people to recognize where we came from. And uh, that's that's why I've been doing my due diligence as someone who didn't necessarily grow up on country music to really dig deep into the 60s, 70s and 80s of country music and and just do my part to, to learn it and, and figure out the significance of it and and to kind of follow some of the through lines of who was inspired by who and and what inspirations of mine from modern country music and, and even 90s country music where that comes from when you go back further because it's it's important
1: i agree i mean I, I do okay since we're running short on time i will not go down a rabbit hole of that with you because i could talk to you about that all day <laughs> um, but i want to talk about the future see how i made that segue yeah. like I, like I'm a pro? I see you, I see you. <laughs> um, but I want to talk about what you have coming up in 2022, what you're looking forward to, and kind of what fans can look forward to.
0: Yeah, um, just a, a few things. One, playing shows. Uh, I played my first show ever um, in May of 2021. That's So nuts. I'm still very new to it, still getting my footing. I had a lot of cool shows last year. But this year, um, you know, I'm, I'm going out on the road with Russell Dickerson at the end of January and I'll be out. I don't know when, when this airs exactly, but I'll be out on the road with him for a couple months. Uh, I'm putting out some music. I've got singles coming shortly and, and a full length body of work uh, that I'm really excited about. I've kind of been flushing out this idea of cross country, which is what I call my subgenre of country music—it's the cross or intersection between country and all the other genres, R&B, hip-hop, pop, rock, what have you—and uh, I have a lot of music that falls into that space. And um, this project, I think, is really reflective of that. And then, uh, you know, playing some some festivals, playing some shows overseas, assuming uh, COVID doesn't put a halt to those plans, but. I'm, I'm just really excited to be able to have new music out and then play that music for people because I think what I've learned over the past year and a half now of, of living in Nashville is that country music is really just about the songwriting and the storytelling. And my songwriting and storytelling have improved so tremendously since moving here uh, that I'm, I'm really, really excited to be able to share that uh, growth with people.
1: We're very excited for all of it. I'm excited to watch you keep blowing up because I think it's going to be a big year and I'm I'm excited for new stuff. So thank you for being in this issue and for being on the podcast. We appreciate it. And obviously anything we can ever do for you, do not hesitate to let us know. And thank you to the listeners. Uh, we will be here same time, same place next week.
0: Thanks for listening. Follow us on social media at Nashville Lifestyles. On everything, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Nashville Lifestyles.